Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Hey everybody, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, I am super excited to have someone on the phone today, um, and I'm going to try not to geek out with like I always do when I get starstruck by people, but uh, this is somebody that when I was growing up, uh, I watched this show religiously. Now, of course, we weren't able to rewind or watch them over or anything, um, so you had to be really present when uh, when you were watching them, but... Uh, I have a Darby Hinton on the phone, and he played uh, Israel in the Daniel Boone series. And all I can say is, I never did get my knee-high moccasins I wanted, or, or, or my knife in my in my moccasins like I wanted, or the fringe pants. How, how, however, I did get a corduroy uh, kind of frontier-looking shirt that had a uh, a leather lace up in, in the front of it. So. Um, that was as close as I got, but I just, back then it was like, how'd this guy get on this show? I mean, this is, it was like magic, you know, and it was so cool. And Darby had the blondest hair and my hair was blonde when I was born, but it gradually changed. And I didn't realize I wasn't blonde until I was like 25, but I always wanted my hair to be that blonde as well. So, uh, Anyway, um, that's my intro into, uh, you know, a, a show that I absolutely loved. And I'm, I remember Fess Parker walking through the, uh, you know, the creek at the beginning and throwing his axe and splitting the tree and, and just everything about it was, it was just, you know, what we, what we just absolutely loved back then and still do. So anyway, without well, any you know, further ado, let me just welcome Darby to the show. Well, Darby, welcome to Modern Cowboy. Thank you very much as I butt in right in on you. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you say you wanted the moccasins. I got the moccasins, but, you know, it took me two years to talk him into giving me the coonskin cap and getting me out of a tricorn. And then it took me another year after that to actually get that knife in my boot like Bob. So you weren't the only one that was waiting for stuff like that. <laughs> you know, well, that's the other thing too, was the, was the real coonskin caps. I wanted one that had the, the, the head on it like that, the face on it. You know, I, I had the Disneyland one. That's the, that's the one I had and uh, it, it had to suffice, but um, it, you know, Darby, just, just, you know, give us your history on, you know, how, how did you, uh, how did you end up, you know, getting into movies and, and entertainment and, um, and was that the first role that you had was the Daniel Boone show or? Um, no, actually when I got cast in Daniel Boone, I was uh, five just turning six, but I'd already had over four years experience in, in TV um, and I, even movies. I did uh, the brothers Grimm. Uh, I did a wonderful movie called heroes Island with James Mason and Neville Brand and all. And I started when I was six months old on Playhouse 90. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah, so, <clears throat> you know, they gave me a little time to be a kid before I started working. But, uh, yeah, about six months is when, when I cut my first paycheck. 
Man, now, now were your folks in uh, entertainment, in um, movies and stuff too? Yes. Yes, my father was an actor. And um, the reason they started me so young is actually a joke by my mom. Because my dad used to say I had two older sisters and they started doing commercials when they were young and, and stuff like that. But when I was born, they always ask him, as people ask me, you know, is your kid going to go into the business? He goes, I don't know. The kid's a bum. He's, you know, a month old, hasn't earned a dime. Oh, he's two months old. Oh, he's three months ago. And he used to love to tell this joke. And it drove my mom crazy. So she got me on Playhouse 90, didn't tell him, made him watch it. You know, he was going, no, no, we have a friend on this. You got to watch it. And then, of course, at the end of it, he just turned and looked and goes, Marilyn, you sure know how to ruin a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> but then, unfortunately, he was killed when I was a year old in an airplane crash, um, coming back from a family vacation on Catalina. And the studio, 20th, called him up. You know, we got a part for you. So he chartered a plane. And unfortunately, the plane didn't make it. And my mom was a little worried, you know, she's a single mom. I had two older sisters and she wanted a lot of male influence in my life. So she kept me in the business because she thought that was a good way for me to uh, be around that. And then, of course, you know, you said a miracle, a blessing. Uh, yeah, the whole way I got the part really was. And the best part about it was I got Fess Parker to grow up with for six years. Yeah. And uh, that's a pretty, pretty great dad to grow up with and a great friend that I had all through my life. Yeah, Along with that Ames, Ames, Rosie Greer, uh, even Jimmy Teed, I mean, he added dimensions to it too. So it was just a great show to grow up on. Yeah. And then how many years did, did that run? Six years. Six years. Yeah. Yep. So, so Ooh. cool. It was a lot of fun, that's for sure. But you talked about the Westerns before that. You know, I got to do Big Valley. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, uh, I, I finally put together a book because my mom was always taking pictures. And this isn't back, when, you know, <laughs> forget it being on your phone. This isn't back when it was automatic focus and stuff. You had a focus, you had to know what the F-stop was and the uh, <laughs> speed of the film and everything else. So she used to have two cameras around her neck and she just took tons of pictures. And I finally went up into the attic and got the boxes that rodents had started eating through and went through them and put together a book called Grown Up Israel. <clears throat> Excuse me, with a lot, mostly over 500 pictures, most of her behind the scene pictures. Um, so it's been a lot of fun researching and doing that and putting it together. You know, you talk about in the beginning when you said we couldn't rewind or anything. Right. Not only could you rewind, but you only had three channels yes. of new programming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ABC, NBC, CBS. So when I actually looked into facts for the books, and <clears throat> according to 20th Century Fox, we had 30 million viewers every Thursday night when we were on from about the third into the fourth season on. Man. Um, and, you know, would you think tonight, if you took all the late night shows, the Letterman, the Late Show, the, you know, and put them together, combined them, they're lucky if they get 7 million viewers now a night. Isn't that crazy? 
Yeah. It back, is. <laughs> back then that, that, that was our entertainment. We didn't have all those other things, you know, and, uh, uh, it just, I, I don't know, maybe that's why it was so endearing other than the fact that the content too was just absolutely amazing because, you know, you know, everybody wanted to be a cowboy or Daniel Boone, uh, you know, back then. <laughs> Well, and it was fun. You could watch it with the whole family. Absolutely. You know, there was stuff for the kids, like you say, and the parents. And, and we really hit on a lot of great social issues back then, but without hitting anybody over the head with it. Yeah. You know, we weren't preaching to anybody. Seth, Daniel was leading by example. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was a fun time. Yeah, I, I actually had just recently watched the episode where you had your uh, one of your first love interests, and uh, <laughs> with Robin Madsen. Oh yes, Israel yeah. falls in love. Yeah, yeah, and then you got in that fight too. Um, but but just like you said, I mean, it touched on a lot of different social issues in there. You know, with the uh, just so many things. But it was it's just so so cool and so much fun to watch. Yeah, and fun to film too. Oh yeah, um, you know we got we had great animals and uh, yeah, and even when they bring in a, a Robin Madsen, they had to say, okay, now Israel's going to have to kiss her, and then we had to go back and reshoot the kissing scene because they were like, uh, no, a frontier kid wouldn't know how to kiss that well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so that was. How many, yep. how many, how many days a week did you guys film? How, you know, how long were you guys on set during the day? And it was five days a week it was, you know, we really tried to get a, an hour show out in that five days. Sometimes it ran over into six, but it was five days. Um, you know, they worked me nine hours. I had to go to school for three hours. Um, supposed to be in 15 minute chunks. Right. wasn't supposed to be less than that, but that rule was often broken. You know, when they're ready for you on set, they're ready for you on set. Right. Um, and, and that was it. You know, we did a lot of our filming out at uh, Malibu, what's now Malibu State Park, which at the time was 20th Century Fox Ranch in the Malibu Hills. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even that was an adventure because at lunchtime, Nancy and Ron Reagan, you know, their ranch was up there and they were great friends with Fest. And they'd come over on their horseback and, you know, sit down and have lunch with us. And Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so I just, you know, I got to be outside a lot. And I'm, as you can tell, I'm not one of the child actors that sits here and complains about my childhood being <laughs> robbed or anything else. I loved growing up in the business. That's why I'm still in it. And I'm still doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's so cool. I, I just I couldn't even imagine. I mean, in Fest Barker too, he, he was a real, real tall man, right? Six seven. Man, yeah, that's just. Uh, and it, he didn't look that tall because everybody that he would like to work around was tall. You know, Pat Blair, who paid my mom, was tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Ames, Rosie Greer, uh, you know, Rafer Johnson. We had a lot of athletes. And at the time, you got to remember, this is when Martin Luther King was being shot. Right. You know, we had a lot of actors of color on our show. Yeah. Uh, we brought up slavery. We brought up the injustice to Indians. Yeah. Um, like I say, we had fun doing it, but there was really a purpose behind it. But I really think what's missing today is there was a hero. Right. He didn't have to have a major flaw. You know, he wasn't part good and part bad. And, you know, right. 
Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm really trying not to stand on my soapbox, but that's what kind of drives me crazy today is you just can't seem to have somebody that you can't look up to that doesn't have a flaw. And yes, I know we're all human and you don't want to make other people feel bad, but I still think it would be nice to shoot for something, you know, to have the Roy Rogers cowboy code of ethics or the Gene Autry, uh, you know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's what I, I grew up on. You know, I mean, I, I was born in 1958. So, uh, you know, I was right there through all that. And I had a Roy Rogers lunch pail and, and uh, you know, the coonskin cap. And, uh, and, and you know, and that's just what I, what I lived for, you know. Um, and uh, I just, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to have, have you know, been in some of those, uh, you know, shows or been able to, you know, work with Fess Parker or have Ronald uh, and Ronald Reagan come over and have lunch with us during the day on horseback. Cause I mean, he did death Valley days, I think didn't he back then or the intro to it. And he was in a lot of ways yeah. too, you know, so. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was death Valley days. Uh, you know, he was in those episodes and stuff. And I uh, it's fun now because YouTube, I get to see a wagon train that I did. Um <laughs> It's great that they're bringing back some of these shows. I got to admit, there are a couple out there that I wouldn't mind if they had disappeared and gone away <laughs> forever. <laughs> but you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah. Now, now, did you guys did you guys like live on property? Uh, you know, or or were you? I mean, where'd you live? You know, when you were when you were a kid and working in the industry. Uh, I grew up on top of Bel Air Road. I was born in Santa Monica, and. Uh, uh, Bel Air's in West Los Angeles, so I, I lived there. I was about well, 20 minutes away from the studio. Nice. Yeah. And then when, when um, you know, when the uh, Daniel Boone series ended, what, what was your, you know, next, what was the next line of work you did and other, other things that you did after that? Well, I really tried to, you know, break the all-American kid image. And I started doing things like, you know, being uh, a drug abuser on uh, Owen Marshall, attorney at law. <laughs> I played a drug smuggler on Hawaii Five-0, the original, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I tried doing that, but there was also a part of me that wanted to go off and, and see what it was like to be a kid. Right. Because I'd always grown up on the set. I'd never gone to a normal school. Um, all of a sudden the show's over and I get thrown into a junior high school and uh, that I had kind of been looking forward to and instead ended up getting beat up and picked on. And <laughs> it was, it was really quite interesting. Um, so that was my first taste of real life. And, and then I figured, well, okay, I'm going to finally send myself off to school high in the Swiss Alps you know, to a boarding school. I'm going to go on the other side of the world where nobody will know who I am. I can just blend in and see what that's like. <laughs> and after 20 hours of planes, trains, and automobiles, I get to the big gates of the school and I look and there are other kids and I'm so excited and I get out of the taxi. I reach into the trunk, get my bag, and before my bag hits the pavement, this girl walks by, looks at me and goes, Daniel Boone was a man. <laughs> yeah, you, you were known worldwide. <laughs> in every language, except for a lot of the ones in the Middle East, which wouldn't play the show because my name was Israel. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. No, absolutely. 
But besides that, yeah, I have heard my voice dubbed, and it was usually by a little girl, it seemed, <laughs> in a lot of different languages. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, the, the series, uh, it, I know it's on, I think, um, uh, I, was it the um, ISPN network, I believe? I think that's yes. what I watched on. And and do you know how, how, many, uh, how many times it's, you know, plays now, or is it on uh, different stations, too, are you aware of, or? Um, well, I know it was on MTV for a while because I shot a fun commercial for them because I'm on a lot of their stuff, you know, working back then. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when it comes, I think there's also heroes and icons. Okay, right. Um, you know, <laughs> it's like we say, it's grown from those three channels to quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm sure you can download it now if, you know, if you can't find it on a channel. It's, it's amazing. And I'm so glad because Fetz was actually the one that went in and grabbed them because they were all deteriorating, you know, on the original film. Right. And had them colorized. And, and he's the one that uh, arranged for all that and threw a wonderful party up at his vineyard and brought us all back together. Pat was the only one that uh, didn't come back for it. But... Um, it was great. We all got together, and, and I think they did a great job in colorizing it. Not colorizing. There's the black and whites are so black and whites, but in just enhancing the color and, and taking it to digital, I think it looks great. Yeah, yeah, it, it really does. Now, you know, I know that you've, because uh, I follow you on social media and stuff, I, I know that you've been to some uh, um, oh, some award uh, events lately and, and uh I think that I, I can't remember the exact name of, but if one was a Western um, movie award and there was quite a few people there. Um, tell us about that a little bit. I think you're either talking about the silver spurs award. Yes. Where it was just a great honor to uh, present Don Wells. Of course, Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Right. I got to present her, her silver spur and you know, listen, like you, I was a fan watching these shows. I loved, my mom would come into the room and tell me, you are wasting your life <laughs> trying to get Gilligan off that island. You know, <laughs> stop watching that show. And what she didn't know is I wasn't trying to get Gilligan off the island. I was trying to get on the island to rescue and be a hero to Mary Ann. <laughs> right. you know, of course, I had a crush on her. Right. Um, and now that, you know, she's a great friend. Like I say, I presented the award to her and, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. That one, and there's also back in Oklahoma, the um, uh, Her Western Heritage Award. Yes, yeah. I was very honored. I got to pick up Fess Parker's, um, since he's obviously passed away. I got to pick up his uh, award where they retired him into the um, their Hall of Western Legends. I yeah. hope I'm saying that right. Um yeah, and then last night was the Looking Ahead Awards, which I'm very proud of. I'm one of the founding members for the last 16 years. I've been on their advisory committee, and this is a group we put together for young actors to create a community for them, to bring them kind of together, because the one thing as a child actor, you can get very isolated. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're working on a set with adults. You're not going to a school. And unfortunately, today... A lot of the parents bring these kids out to Hollywood and they just homeschool them. Yeah. So they don't have any of that interaction. And then even when I was being brought up, you were kind of told that, you know, that kid that you see on the audition, auditions, which is the only time you ran into other kids, 
he's up for your part. You know, he, that's the competition. You, you know, you ought to be friendly with him. So, and it, and it leads to, listen, we all know the stories. I've lost a lot of good friends growing up that were actors that, uh, you know, just couldn't handle it and got into bad things or made bad decisions and didn't have a support team out there. So we do this community um, and our motto is to grow, give back. Uh, we take them everything from paintballing to feeding the homeless to we love going out to the uh, motion picture home where they get to talk to the older actors that are living out there. Mm-hmm. And and just, you know, and last night we had some wonderful awards and you gave out the, the Shirley Temple Awards and all that. So, yes, it's, it's been kind of a whirlwind here lately. And uh, I'm sorry I'm coughing over it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's super exciting. Now, you, you mentioned, Darby, that you had a, a book that you were putting together. Has that book been published yet with the photos, or is that something you're just putting together for yourself? or would it? Well, no, I, I put it together. Um, you can find it at DarbyHinton.com uh, in my general store. I haven't opened it up yet to anything but through my website, and that's just because I sign it and I like to personalize and everything else. But I do think for the holidays, I might open it up and, and finally put it on Amazon. Uh, but of course, that won't be the signed one. But if, yeah, if you want a personally signed one, like I said, there's great photos in here. Um, DarbyHinton.com. Perfect. I'm going to definitely, I'm going to definitely go over there and, and get mine. Um, and you'll write my name <laughs> on it too, right? I will write your name on it. I certainly will. So, um, now, is anyone else in your family, any of your, any of your kids in uh, entertainment, or did you steer them away from that, or just, because um, I think you've got four boys, right? I, I got four boys, and my little girly, my, oh my, my daughter, who's just back from being a ski instructor in New Zealand. Um, I didn't steer any of them away. Uh, it's, it, you know... Ever since I can remember, people have been asking, how do I get my kids in the business? How do I get in the business? How do I do this? And I don't want to scare anybody towards it or away from it. Like I say, I did enjoy it. I love it. But if you are going to try a career in this business, it's almost like you're not asking people, "Is this? should I do this? It's like, this is what you do. This is what you're led to. Because um, it's a rough business. Um, and you just got to have that drive. You got to have that spirit. So I haven't discouraged any of them. I did tell them that they could go into the business when they were 16 and could drive themselves to the interviews because I would make a lousy stage mother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I do have one son from a young age that was in all the school plays and he just loves it and he's pursuing it. But the rest of them have all found other things that creatively that they love to do. So I'm a happy camper. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's funny. I, I, I think I may have only visited your website once and I'm, I'm on it now. So I'm looking at it and I mean, there are so many great pictures on here. I mean, you're on the cover of TV guide uh, picture of you with Barbara Stanwyck and these, and these are all pictures that you could purchase and then, uh, and then you'll sign these. Yes. I'll personally autograph any of those pictures. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I like for the book, because for the price of less than the price of two of those pictures, 
you get over 500 pictures and the stories behind them because I'm dyslexic. I don't like to read. That's, you know, we were talking earlier about computers and why I started with an Apple because it was a little pamphlet. Right. I don't like, yeah, I, I don't like a lot of text and read. I like pictures. They tell me the whole story. And if, so that's the way my book is put together with mostly pictures with, you know, stories backing them up. But if a picture's worth a thousand words, it's a pretty thick book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now, yeah, you don't have you don't have any any knee high moccasins for uh, on here uh, for sale, do you? Do you plan on getting any of those? No, no. I, you know, it's funny. My friends found me the uh, sweet talker. You know, which Fesh used to play to Pat when he was in trouble. Yep. yep. Uh, or I should say, Daniel used to play to Becky. Uh, but no, I don't have any of those moccasins. And you know what's really—you really, really liked those, didn't you? Oh that my you gosh! Brought those up a couple of times. Yeah, I never, I never got them. I wanted them. You know how those things you wanted when you were a kid, and and you just never did get them. <laughs> and yeah. I, I still remember them. Uh, now I just found something that's really cool on here that I, I I'm gonna have to get this too. Um, is I, I see you do have the 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 Bowie knife on here, and I. Oh yes. I, yeah, I, we have a great. You know, there's a super fan, Dan Markovich, that is a huge collector, has uh -huh. everything, Boone and Fess. Um, and he has started making these knives. And every year, he comes out with a different commemorative knives for all six seasons. He just gave me the uh, fifth one. Um, I just saw him at a show back in Virginia. And they're beautiful knives with the insignia on them and stuff. And yep, yep, I even have a couple of those up. Not too many, but I do have a couple. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. you got to be careful if you stick that in your boot nowadays, though. Yeah. You might get uh... yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it's a little bit different, but I do I do live in Arizona, so uh, it's, oh, perfect. You yeah. can you can actually uh, still um, ride in the back of a pickup here, and uh, you don't have to wear a motorcycle helmet when you ride a motorcycle. So <laughs> there's some things we can still get away with. Here. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna look at you with the knife. It's like when I did a show uh, in Utah. And I did the Western Legend Roundup there, and it was fun. And I brought my six shooter and my gun, and and uh, you know I strapped it on my hip, and I was walking around the town and stuff. And for an LA boy, that's not an unusual feeling, you know. Right. And right. the chief, of, yeah, the chief of police was there, and I kind of went up to him. You know, it, it's okay that I'm walking around with this uh, gun strapped to me, the six shooter, right? He goes, "Is it loaded?" And I said, "Well, no." Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. like okay. Yes, this isn't the big city. Yeah. Hey, what? What's your? What's your? You know, besides the Daniel Boone series, what? What's? Uh, you know, one of your favorite? Um, you know, shows that you were in um, throughout your life. Oh, you know, that's so hard because. There were so many different shows and so many different reasons why they were fun. You know, I remember doing Mr. Ed. Um, yeah, I love that. And show. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was probably four. Uh, but, you know, finding out how they really made Mr. Ed talk, uh, you know, was, was all. And, and then they made me kick Wilbur. Uh, I think that's why I remember it so well. But, uh, you know, so that was great. Um, you mentioned Barbara Stanwyck in the Big Valley. She was wonderful to work with. I did one of those movies that won't go away. It's kind of a cult classic now, uh, Malibu Express. I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun to shoot. Yeah. Um, so it, 
there's very few bad days I've had on a set. The closest I came to working in this business was when I did a soap opera. Because that is, you know, you talk, we did an hour in five days. You know, a movie can take five weeks to shoot an hour. Right. Soap operas, every night, a new hour. You know, you might go home with 20 pages of dialogue to learn the next day. And then when you shoot it, it's just go, 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 go. Um, so that got a little stressful after a little while, but I even had fun doing that. So I can't really pin it down. What are, what are, what are, what are my favorites? It's funny too, you know, when you, I remember, uh, you know, growing up back then and, and thinking how easy it would be to, you know, uh, and how great it would be to, you know, work in movies or television or whatever. I, I don't, I don't know what, for what reason I would think it wouldn't be hard work, but, um, it's really, really hard work. I mean, just like just producing this podcast and, and, and doing this, uh, is, you, I, I can't imagine what it would be, be like trying to memorize lines for a movie and, you know, and just in the long hours too. Yep. There are long hours. Um, sometimes really miserable working conditions. You know, I filmed in St. Petersburg, Russia in minus 20 degree weather. <laughs> and, you know, you, you can't look cold and you're not dressed properly, but you know, you go out and you do it. And the director looks at you and goes, look, cold doesn't transfer to film. They can't see that it's cold. So you got to ignore it. And, uh, uh, yeah, cold, wet rain scenes where you're just dripping wet all day, even while even though it might be sunny outside, but what they're shooting you through it is, and even that creek you talked about. Yeah, boy, do I have memories of that because we always shot ahead, so it would be out in you know summertime, hundred degree weather, and we'd be shooting a Christmas winter scene, so they'd have me all bundled up in jackets and stuff, and then it'd be in the winter and cold. And it would be a summer thing. It's like, okay, now you're going to jump into the creek and swim across. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> but you do it. You grit it, bear it, have fun. Yeah, that's The so perks cool. are worth it. <laughs> now, do you have a, a favorite, uh, you know, cowboy or Western movie uh, growing up that, you know, that, that you was maybe Oh, listen, I, I, I'm everything from, you know, the Wild Bunch to Cat Baloo, I think was a wonderful show. Um, I, I love the Westerns. I, yeah. I'm still, I just, I just helped produce a, a little Western. Uh, you know, we're talking a little bit more about family values and stuff. And we, we brought back a Western, which is kind of an homage to the old Westerns where we might shoot somebody, but the head doesn't explode. Right, or, right. You know, we don't stop in the middle of it for a, a sex scene or anything. It's really like an old Western. It's very fun. It's called Bill Tillman and the Outlaws. And I got to play Cole Younger. And what a fun role that was in just researching Cole and what an amazing guy he was. I mean, you know, he had over 12 rounds of ammo still in his body <laughs> he was walking around after Northfield I don't know how many times he shot I mean you talk about a man's man here he's with somebody whose elbows blown off he's got at least six seven slugs in him and they're on the run for two days yeah you know on <laughs> on a horseback across the plains it, it amazes me now is that is that film um 
on uh, available on DVD or anything right now, or is it on Netflix? Or actually, it it is just we just locked the movie, which means all the cuts are made. We know what the movie is. It's going right now, getting a really nice score to it, and then we're adding the music effects, and we're going. And actually, um, the first of November, we're going to start a little. I think it's a GoFundMe account. I don't know exactly what it's called. There's somebody else that's handling this. Mm -hmm. But where other people can get involved just to get it over the last hump. So I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to have the premiere in Washington, D.C. in February. Um, and that's the way people can be involved and come to the premiere. But I brought a lot of good friends on this, like Don Collier, you know, from High Chaparral, and the oh, John yeah. Wayne movies. Uh, Johnny Crawford from The Rifleman. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lon Lana Wood. Uh, you know, not only a Bond girl, but she's done some great Western. Uh, oh, you, you talk about some of my favorite shows, Wild Wild West. That yes. was like growing up. There was nobody cooler than James West. And of yeah. course, Lana was one of the love interests on that. Um, and then some wonderful East Coast actors. And I, I really hope it's good. I mean, when I go to these autograph shows, when I get out there and I meet the fans, that's one of the things they all tell me. We missed the Boone show. It was so family friendly. It was, why aren't there more shows like that? Why aren't there more shows like that? So we went out and we produced it. We shot it. We filmed it. It's got a great script. And if it makes money, there'll be more films like that. If nobody goes to see it, that's why there's no more films like that. Uh, unfortunately, that's the, the way the business is. Yeah. Now, is this a film that if, when you guys uh, release it, is it going to go to theaters? We're definitely going to, if we have to four wall it, we're going to put it in some theaters because I'm old fashioned. I like sitting there watching it on the big screen and listening to other people react. And mm -hmm. so, you know, like I said, we'll give it a shot. And, and if we have to do an old Billy Jack and take it to the theaters ourselves. We're going to start out that way. And then I, you know, I'm sure at some point it'll hit the internet or, you know, wherever it goes from there. Distribution now is a, such a different animal. Yeah. Yeah. Really is. For years, FSR Cattle Company has been known for their premium roping cattle used and endorsed by multiple world champions and NFR qualifiers. But did you know that FSR is also the home of quality rope horses for all levels, from professional team roping to the novice level? A trip to Weatherford, Texas and to the FSR headquarters will give you a variety of horses to choose from. FSR Cattle Company will arrange transport for your new horse back home and a free ride back to the airport for you. For your convenience, we accept credit cards for all horses found at FSR. We strongly believe in matching team ropers with horses they can work and win with. So when you back in the box on a horse you found at FSR Cattle Company, you know you're mounted to win. Visit us online at fsrcattlecompany.com or in the office at 817-598-1222 and let us help find your next winner. Again, that's fsrcattlecompany.com. I, th I think I remember you mentioning somewhere um, uh, uh, one of your uh, cowboy hat maker that you that you really like. Um, so, do you who who is your favorite hat maker, or do you have one? Oh yeah, um, um, oh, don't make me draw a blank on his name. Um, is it, huh? Is it Tom from Tom Quinta? Yeah, Tom. Yeah, Tom. 
and the name of his company is Almoerso. Hold yeah. on, let me let me look it up real quick. Is that right? Alamoso hats, I think. Alamoso. Okay. So, and I'm gonna Quintana's. How we pronounce his name? Okay. Oh, I got some great hats from Tom Quintana, Almoerso hats. He he saw online when I was posting that my hats were not fitting properly because I have a big head. So he, he contacted me and said. Um, you know, I, I would like to make you a hat that fits your problem. I said, great. He goes, okay, measure your hat, get it to me. So I measured my head and I sent him the measurement. He got back to me, measure again. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I got my wife and said, come here and you measure it. He measured it. We sent him the measurements. He's like, oh, okay. He had to go out and buy a whole new block. I guess I just have a big head. What, and, uh, what size hat? So he, he, it's dang close to an eight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what happened was there's this great book coming out that has been getting photographed, and I'm trying to blank on his name. Come on, there be the director. Um, since the 70s, he's been photographing Western stars in great Western scenes. I mean, he's, he's a wonderful director himself, so he puts together these sets and puts you in the situation, and then he takes it with the same kind of picture that they shot Lincoln with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you remove the cap, you got to hold still for three seconds and you, and you put it back on. Well, he had me in a really dusty Western, you know, he wanted this cowboy to be just coming off the plains off of a, you know, three month cattle drive. So I just had this great hat that Tom had sent me. And he goes, Oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll dirty it up. And I'm like, yeah, no, I just got this. We're not going to, I, I've been on too many sets where they say, we'll dirty this up and, and had it returned to me. And, you know, he, of course, had 15 hats out there that I could choose from. None of them fit. So I, you know, I shot the thing with the, the hat on my foot and I told Tom about it. I said, I'm sorry, but I just wasn't going to dirty up your hat. So then he shot the another hat that he made look like it had been on the trail for years. And it's a great hat, and I actually wear it in Bill Tillman and the Outlaws. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It's like I said, I'm, you know, I'm just an old cowboy hat. I'm like you. I, I grew up on the Roy Rogers. I had to have a moment of silence when I was in Virginia, and my, uh, my taxi driver was taking me somewhere, a nice young man, didn't know who Roy Rogers was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, come on. But then again, you know, because I coach young actors and teach acting, and I have them where they don't know who Steve McQueen is. Oh, no. Um, yeah. I mentioned Paul Newman, and one of the girls goes, oh, you mean the chef? I'm like, the <laughs> chef? Yeah, he has those salad dressings, and so he's a cook, right? Yeah. Like, oh, no. Uh, that's crazy. Now, how, yep. how about cowboy boots, Darby? You got, you got a favorite brand or maker anything boy you know there again i got a big foot um not a particularly favorite one no i i just like interesting boots how, how tall are you anyway because you, you got a big head and you got big feet <laughs> yeah six two. Oh yeah so you're you're a big guy yeah oh yeah you yeah, know boot is 13 you know e oh um, man yeah yeah well so, yeah like my mom yeah, said, you I, have a good understanding. Right on. <laughs> I like I like your mom. 
Oh. Yeah, well, and you know, my martial arts teachers used to love it too. I was told by one of my masters to, uh, you know what, if you get in a fight, just break off your leg and use it as a club. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks. <laughs> but I got to say, I, it, I, I must have a good kick because, uh, you know, I trained ever since I got beat up. When I got off the series and I got beat up, I remembered this young man <laughs> that I used to go over and love to visit his set. Because that was one of the fun things growing up on the 20th uh, century lot is I could go visit other sets. Yeah. And they were filming Green Hornet. Oh. <laughs> and I remember Cato, you know, when he first came in and was doing the fights and the directors would say, no, you got to slow it down. We, we can't see it. It's too fast. And he was the first one that turned to the director and goes, no, I don't slow it down. You slow down your film. And they started doing it in slow motion. But I, you know, he definitely, well, he did pretty good. So all of a sudden I, and then of course I was an Enter the Dragon fan and everything. So I went over to Hong Kong to find out where he studied. I met William Chung, who was his uh, student. Uh, I'm sorry, not his student. I was his teacher. Mm-hmm. Yip Man is the one that started the Wing Chun. Everybody yeah. knows as Bruce Lee's. But William Chung, who's now the world's grandmaster of Wing Chun, was Yip Man's number one student and was the one that actually would be the one that would teach Bruce and go with Bruce and actually formed a gang <laughs> with Bruce. And then the four of them were eventually kicked out of Hong Kong because of their fighting in that gang. So William went to Australia. Fortunately, um, uh, it was um, Hawkins Chung was the other one. He went down to San Diego, I believe. And then, of course, Bruce came and went up to Seattle before coming down to Hollywood. So anyway, my whole life, I, I've studied martial arts and I love martial arts. Oh, that's what I was telling you. Sorry. I was trying to think why I went off on that tangent. <laughs> um, well, you know, there's times you... you you know, you get awards and you, and you get acclimated, but there's sometimes you get to pat yourself on the back. And that was when I was doing a Billy Blanks, and I don't know if you know who that is, but oh, he yeah. was one of the first ones to do, yeah, Taibo, and, yep. and one of the first ones to really put together the, <laughs> do you remember back when there were videos? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and Shaq was in the class. And Shaq held the bag for me, and I got to kick him. And after about the third kick, he stepped back, and I was going to Damn. <laughs> I was like, that's it. Cause I was thinking, here's this wall of a man. Right. So if, if I impress Shaq, I feel pretty good. That's, that's very cool. Now, do you, do you like uh, mixed martial arts? You watch any of the UFC or Bellator or any of that? Sure. I do. Yeah. I, um, it, it amazes me. It just amazes me what those guys do. And, and uh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and the women too. It's like crazy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel a little guilty watching it. I mean, I'm not an avid watcher and you know, when the big ones come up one of my sons is really into it. So we watch it together and stuff, but especially with the women, I, I'm almost feel guilty. And, and, well, I know. <laughs> and I'm, I don't want to sound bad or, or like that sexist or something. Cause I trained with a lot of wonderful women. Uh, um, Garcia, what was her name? She was one of the top champions, but still that was a little bit more controlled. That wasn't going to a cage and get bloody and, and really beat yourselves up, you know? Right. 
Right. Well, even Joe, even Joe Rogan said one time, he goes, uh, you know, you know, cause he, I mean, he trains in, in, you know, mixed martial arts and, and he, absolutely he's a commentator and stuff. And he, I even heard him on, on his podcast one time saying, I, I can't believe that these, you know, the way these girls go at it like that, you know, and, and even looking at mixed martial arts, he says, sometimes I can't believe people want to do this, you know, cause it is like you say, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> It is. I mean, you know, how can we look back and go, how could they do that in the Coliseum when we're pretty close to that right now? Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> pretty crazy. So, what, you, you got any other uh, projects coming up you want to tell us about? I mean, you got Bill Tillman and the Outlaws. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. And there is a wonderful little film now you can find. It just won the Burbank International Film Festival as the best faith-based film. And it's called Wild Faith. It's a great little script. Um, I, I have a small part in it, but again, I get to work with Lana Wood. Um, and we shot it back in Kansas, and it was just, I'm sorry, we didn't shoot that one in Kansas. We shot that one back east. <laughs> the, the one I shot in Kansas was Home on the Range, oh. which is a great story about the song Home on the Range. And it was the first one where they got sued over the rights of who wrote it and you know of course Bing Crosby and all the studios and then this couple came out and said hey we wrote it and they sued NBC uh, broadcasting and Bing Crosby and all the radio stations have been playing this song and had to pay them and it was the first time the federal government had to get involved to really track down and figure out who actually wrote the song no kidding yeah, it's, you know, it's fun doing history, things like that. So if you can look that up, um, it's called Home on the Range. And I, I, I'm sure good surfers on the web can find it. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, hey, Darby, I'll tell you what. I just, I, I was so excited you agreed to come on and, and just thrilled to you know, talk with you and, and uh, you know, hear your story. And um, now I know I can go on there and... Uh, get get that book and, and get me a knife and i'm just looking forward to the day that you get the those moxins on there because i still want <laughs> yeah but then i gotta go every size and do all that so just i get, a, get into the moxins just, business soon just get a size 10 that's all you need is one <laughs> for me <laughs> well listen dan i also have to thank you you know you keep the cowboys alive uh, there's nothing more american than the american cowboy Um, it's, it's a great genre. They are still role models. It's the hardworking, it's the rely on yourself. Don't blame others. Um, yeah, be part of nature, work with nature, not against it. Absolutely. And, and be a hero or wear a black hat. So people know you're a bad guy (laughs) (laughs) and then be a really good bad guy. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, I, I do want to thank you for keeping this genre alive because I am a cowboy at heart and I love it. And I love seeing your posts and, and you know, the pictures and, and memories you bring back. So it's a mutual admiration there. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Darby. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll stay in touch now, now that I know somebody in Hollywood, um, uh, when I come down there and try out for a part, uh, I'll just, I'll throw your name around. Well, you know, come on out. We'll I'll take you out to the Stagebrush Cantina, which was 
you know, my big brother and best friend Dan Haggerty's favorite place, but it's a good old cowboy place and we'll have a big lunch. Very cool. I, I'll, I'm going to take you up on that. You got it. I look forward to it. All right, Darby. Hey, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. And then we'll talk soon. You got it, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer. Saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs. $20,000 horses, then there's my own stick. Although we're all the same. The minute we ride in to the roping pen Well, I ain't no play speed But I give her hell, he never can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle and philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money Yeah, we're always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope He's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pen And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack You can back it up Oh, but we're all friends No matter who wins Down at the rope and pen Someday I just might be We'll turn another pin of steers Tell a few more lies Drink another beer And hypothesize Most of life's problems By God we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen We'll see y'all again Next weekend Down at the roping pen